Taiwan has reported four domestic COVID cases, three cleaners at the Taoyuan airport and a quarantine taxi driver. This taxi driver had transported known imported cases late last year. An investigation is underway to verify the chain of transmission. Employees of a cleaning company file off a coach bus that's arrived at the Taiwan Taoyuan International Airport. They're back at the airport to get tested after a colleague was diagnosed with COVID-19. Case number 17230 had a very low CT value of just 11. It seems that she fell ill on January 2nd. She had a sore throat and a fever. She works as a cleaner at the airport. During her commute, she took a commuter bus, and her patrol area included the restrooms for quarantine taxi drivers. So we also called all quarantine taxi drivers last night in the middle of the night for testing. There were another 26 people on the commuter bus. 22 of them have been tested, and results came out positive for two of them. Those are cases number 17238 and 17239. Their CT value was around 24. As for the quarantine taxi drivers, we have tested 314 people and one test came out positive. That's case number 17240. Based on the preliminary results of genetic sequencing from case number 17230, Omicron is involved. The CECC said the chain of transmission was not yet clear. The link between the cases is not very clear yet. But case number 17240, the quarantine taxi driver, previously transported imported COVID cases on December 26th and December 31st. Because he transported a known case on December 26th, he was called back and tested on December 29th. The PCR test returned negative. This is something we have to investigate. In the wake of the outbreak, thorough disinfection has begun at the airport. From the parking lot restrooms to the terminals, every space that could have been visited by an infected person has been turned spick and span. The CECC has announced stricter COVID protocols for workers at the airport. We will ask all quarantine taxi drivers who carry arrivals to undergo a deep throat saliva PCR test every three days. Airport staff will have to get a rapid test every week. If they develop any symptoms, they will have to immediately get a deep throat saliva or a nasopharyngeal PCR test. Taiwan now grapples with a handful of hotel clusters, an airport outbreak, and the first ever infection of a quarantine taxi driver. The CECC says these developments have put its disease prevention mechanisms under high pressure. The new airport outbreak is Taoyuan's third major test of the pandemic, following outbreaks at a hotel and a hospital last year. Authorities have shifted into crisis mode to keep the airport outbreak contained. They've imposed a 14-day mask mandate specific to Taoyuan. Let's hear from the CECC. In response to this situation, we have asked Taoyuan to restore the face mask rules that had been relaxed. In other words, in Taoyuan, you must wear a mask at all times when you're outside the home, with the exception of when you're eating and drinking. The rest of the time, please have your mask on. We said before that masks can be taken off briefly for photographs. That measure and all others like it are now cancelled in Taoyuan. Please wear a mask properly. We'll provide a report once we have more clarity on the situation. Contact tracing is underway for the people involved in Taoyuan's airport cluster. One case is a quarantine taxi driver with a rented apartment in Jilong. Another, a cleaner at the airport, sold earrings at a traditional market in Zhongli late last December. 
Authorities have closed down the market for three days, starting Tuesday at noon. They've also opened three rapid screening stations in the surrounding area. As of 5 p.m. Tuesday, 197 locals had gotten tested. A Taipei hotel has been stripped of its right to be a quarantine facility after getting hit with an Omicron cluster infection. According to a Taipei City probe, transmission had likely occurred through the hotel's cooling and ventilation system. Experts say the system cannot be altered to meet legal requirements for quarantine hotels. With government inspections underway, more quarantine hotels may soon be ordered to close if they're deemed incapable of getting up to code. Last month at a quarantine hotel in Taipei's Zhongzhen district, three hotel guests tested positive for COVID. Omicron was confirmed in all three. The CECC has determined this to be a cluster infection and has reclassified two of the cases as domestic transmissions. In an investigation, the Taipei city government found cracks in the air conditioning vents that indicated an imperfect seal between rooms. Ahead of holiday travel over spring festival, experts urge faster action to close transmission loopholes. Quarantine hotels must be able to implement an SOP when it comes to three things, environmental hygiene, gas processing and personnel. They must be able to get the basics right so as to prevent the recurrence of cluster infections at quarantine hotels. On Monday, the CECC released early results of its ongoing inspection on quarantine hotels. Among 395 hotels inspected, more than 100 had problems that called for a repeat inspection. As of Monday, only eight had resolved their issues and cleared a repeat inspection. Common issues found included the use of cleaning solution with an improper ratio of disinfectant, incomplete sanitation records, the improper use of protective gear, poor management of guest movements, and non-compliant ventilation equipment. Hotels found in violation received a deadline for getting up to code. Experts say that when the issue is with the design of the hotel itself, the hotel will have no choice but to end service as a quarantine facility. At quarantine hotels, the epidemic prevention measures are not as intense and the personnel is not as well trained as those at medical institutions, where standards are high intensity and rigorous. If there are things that can be improved with government support, then of course the hotels will make immediate improvements. But when it's an issue that can't be resolved, for instance, when it's an issue involving the air conditioners, hotels have no way of getting up to code. Those who need to quit this business will simply need to quit. Holiday traffic has yet to reach its peak, but already quarantine hotel rooms are in short supply. In the weeks to come, hotels that fail to pass repeat inspections could drop out of the quarantine market. With capacity likely to shrink as the holidays creep closer, Taiwan's quarantine system is facing a major test. Well, a new cohort has joined the ranks of the Ministry of Justice's Investigation Bureau. On Tuesday, 103 people graduated from the Bureau's training program at a ceremony witnessed by top officials, including President Tsai Ing-wen. The president held the growing role of the Investigation Bureau amid a surge in Chinese aggression. The Bureau investigates violations against national security, including treason, sedition and the leaking of national secrets. This new cohort of 103 investigators poses for a photo with President Tsai Ing-wen. Also in frame are National Security Council Secretary General Wellington Ku and Minister of Justice Tsai Ching-shan. <laughs> 
speaking to the graduates, President Tsai told them to never forget why they set off on the path to become investigators. She hailed the role of the Investigation Bureau in keeping Taiwan safe. Given the recent state of global geopolitics and the threats from across the strait, the work of national security has become increasingly complex and challenging. Over the past year, the Investigation Bureau has had great achievements in its anti-infiltration and counterintelligence work. In this latest cohort of investigators, the average age is 26. 27 of them hold master's degrees, and many cross over from another field. For instance, Jen Yigang, who led the oath of office at the ceremony, had transferred over from the National Security Bureau. The valedictorian of the training program, Chen Jie'an, had previously worked in accounting. Chen was an auditor at an accounting firm when he decided to put his skills toward combating financial crime. This job is seen as one that you do for the rest of your life. I hope that by working at the Bureau, I will be able to help more people who need help. I didn't think I'd end up with the best grades. The salutatorian was Chen Xingru, who is a licensed lawyer. She previously worked as a law clerk, but is now more interested in investigative work. I have two years of experience in the courts of law. I realized that, although I had experience in litigation and trial procedures, I was completely lacking in experience on the investigation side of it. Talent from all walks of life are ready to start their careers in the Investigation Bureau, taking on a major responsibility for Taiwan's national security. Anxiety about pesticides in food is always high, and lots of people like to wash vegetables clean before cooking. But which method is the best? You might have seen posts on social media claiming this or that substance can clean your veggies. But how do you know? How do you know, Celia, which to trust? Why not ask a doctor? We took the dilemma to Chenggong Chang'an Memorial Hospital to find out what the experts suggest. Scrolling on your phone, you come across a video with an intriguing title, Get Pesticides Off Vegetables in Just Two Minutes. The viral video is designed to be shared and claims you can wash veggies with two or three minutes soak in baking soda and water. The video explains confidently that the alkaline baking soda will neutralize and scrub away acidic pesticides. But doctors say this is misinformation. We don't know the pH value of pesticides, so the use of baking soda will not necessarily aid the removal of pesticides. Furthermore, some people may use industrial baking soda, which may contain impurities. In that case, far from cleaning their food, they may end up eating harmful impurities. Baking soda is not the only technique in use. Some people wash their veggies in salt, but doctors say that increases osmotic pressure, which can make pesticides seep deeper into food. Using rice rinsing water is no better. It can contain extra pesticides or traces of insect eggs. Brush the nooks and crannies with a soft bristled brush and rinse it in running water for 10 to 15 minutes. You can just turn the faucet on a trickle and let it run, slowly rinsing the vegetables. In the end, you cut the tops and tails off the vegetables. This is the most effective way to remove pesticides from vegetables. Just old-fashioned water is still the safest method. Using a brush will help remove any stubborn grit better than fat circulating online. National Taiwan Normal University has unveiled an incentive to support Taiwan's local languages. Starting in February, NTNU faculty will receive a 50% hourly bonus 
be teaching in Hokkien, Hakka, or any of Taiwan's indigenous languages. If a teacher opens a course conducted in any of these languages, he or she can get a subsidy of 20,000 NT for class materials. The school says language diversity is an important asset for the nation and that it wants to normalize the use of local languages. It expressed hope that more education centers, associations and government agencies will join its campaign and offer more incentives to language talent. Taipei has raised its Lunar New Year taxi surcharge to 30 NT up from 20 NT in previous years. The extra charge will be in effect for 15 days from January 23rd to February 6th. The Consumers Foundation has protested the price hike, saying it will weigh heavily on the public. Meanwhile, taxi drivers say the extra charge won't help them much as passenger numbers fall during the holiday period. <laughs> Spring Festival is just around the corner, and this year, taking a taxi will be more expensive than before. Taipei City's Department of Transportation has raised the Lunar New Year surcharge for taxis to 30 NT, up from last year's 20 NT. The surcharge will be in effect from January 23rd to February 6th. The Consumers Foundation has panned the price hike and the city government for failing to protect consumers. If industry operators acting on behalf of their own interests ask the government to raise prices, the government should weigh the factors and make a balanced decision. If it can't do something as simple as that, what can we expect the government to do for the people? The review committee was made up of scholars, experts and representatives from the Consumers Foundation. This was all discussed during meetings. It was not a decision made unilaterally by the government. In response to the consumer group, Taipei said that the surcharge was decided by multiple stakeholders, not by the city government alone. The city said consumers can choose public transport if they need to work during the surcharge period. Meanwhile, taxi drivers say the price rise won't do enough as passenger numbers fall by 20% over Spring Festival. It's just a 30 anti surcharge. Say that you take five or six passengers in one day. That's just about 120 NT. Of course, it's of some help, but it's not a huge difference. There are indeed price fluctuations and rising fuel prices. Taxi drivers are generally self-employed, so they have to bear the pain of these rising costs. For more than 20 years, the Spring Festival surcharge in northern Taiwan has been 20 NT. It didn't change all that time. Even with Taipei's price hike, the rates in northern Taiwan are still the cheapest, the lowest in Taiwan. So we are sorry about this, but we hope that everyone can be understanding. Lunar New Year has yet to arrive, but already it's looking like an expensive one in terms of food and transport. If you're planning a lavish holiday, prepare for big spending ahead. Well, Taiwan Lottery is bringing back its Super Red Envelope scratch cards for the Lunar New Year. As before, the jackpot is a cool 20 million NT dollars. Up to five lucky winners will be able to claim the top prize, up from two last year. Let's hear from Taiwan Lottery. This year, the Spring Festival break is nine days long. That's three days more than last year. Last year it was six days and this year is nine days. So we will have more lottery products on offer than last year. We're still in a pandemic and people can't travel abroad. That means there will be more people in Taiwan and thus more people playing the lottery. That's why we're increasing the quantity of products this Lunar New Year. The limited edition scratch card game will offer nine prices of 2 million NT plus a BMW SAV. 
There will be also 650 cards with a prize of 1 million NT each. All in all, 4.5 million prizes will be up for grabs for an overall win rate of 69.3%. One tea grower in Nantou has put his own spin on a classic Taiwanese snack. Yang Guozhen of Nantou County makes a highly unorthodox tea bag. He takes eggs from country chicken and steeps them in oolong tea sourced from his own fields. Each batch is put through three rounds of boiling and cooling so that the egg white protein becomes light and springy. For this tea grower, every egg is a labor of love. This is a private tea plantation in Nantou County. To showcase the fragrance of his oolong tea, the head of the plantation has crafted an extraordinary tea egg. Oolong tea has a strong fragrance and a sweet light taste. To make his eggs, the vendor uses a generous helping of tea leaves. He also boils and chills each batch three times to bring out the light and springy texture of the egg whites. The main thing is you have to chill the eggs after boiling them and then do it again. I cook each batch three times. That way, once the eggs are cool, they will have a springy texture. According to the vendor, each oolong tea egg costs four to five times more than the standard tea egg steeped in black tea. That's because he uses full tea leaves and not tea stalks. And he insists on using eggs from country chicken. The production process is highly labor-intensive, so much so he's lost employees because of it, he says. He developed frozen shoulder and didn't want to do it anymore. During the year I was developing this product, two employees left. Perfecting the recipe was a long process. Just the taste tests alone took one year. This entrepreneur hopes his eggs will make it big, taking the fragrance of Nanto tea to all corners of the world. Museum 207 has opened an exhibition called Pickling and Marinating, which explores Taiwan's relationship with the culinary technique. The exhibition space showcases a wide variety of pickled delicacies from around the nation, as well as utensils used for pickling over the past century. Our reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. According to the United Nations, about one-third of all the food produced in the world every year is wasted. One way to reduce food waste is to use pickling techniques to preserve seasonal ingredients. Pickling extends the life cycle of fruits and veggies so that they can be enjoyed all year round. Radishes are a good candidate for pickling. It's best to use seasonal ingredients because they are delicious and cheap. For example, in today's DIY workshop, we used radishes, which are in season now. Usually, radishes are peeled, but the peel makes pickled radish very delicious. It's best to keep the peel on because it lends crispness to the pickle. It's actually a very simple process using salt and sugar. You can adjust the sweetness and acidity to taste. There are many kinds of pickles and marinades. What's your favorite one? According to a survey conducted by Museum 207, the top five are... Taiwanese kimchi, fermented bean curd, salted pork, dried bamboo shoots, and peeled chili. A collection of 15 pickled products commonly found in supermarkets and 18 specialties from towns and villages in Taiwan are on display at the exhibition. In addition, there is an interactive area to educate visitors on the importance of pickled products in Taiwanese history. And on the second floor, we did a very interesting research on the famous pickled products from all parts of Taiwan. 
So it's like a traveling through pickling. And I, I love that floor because you can actually smell the pickle. There's an exhibition that has a smell to it. Um, and then the final section is an introduction of all the different food that you can use to pickle. And the people, it's sort of an interaction. So our visitors can take a plaque out for all these little shopping bags and then they can read from the bag how you pickle that particular food. So it's um, an exhibition, I think, for the young and the old. Also on display are utensils used in pickling over the past century. Each pottery container has its own unique features. Uh, the exhibition is both um, historic and uh, informational. So we have uh, different sections. Very important part of pickling is the process. And the most important part of the process is the container that you use to pickle. And it's, nowadays everybody just uses glass, but in fact glass is not the most ideal. In fact ceramic is, because it preserves the taste and it's also not, it's a little bit more porous than glass. So we introduce all of the different stages of containers for pickling. The museum founder says the exhibition was motivated by the world's food crisis. According to a July report by the Worldwide Fund for Nature and Supermarket chain Tesco, about 2.5 billion tons of food are wasted and discarded each year. Well, the exhibition, um, I think, was originally inspired by uh, the art of preserving food. And especially in Taiwan, the variety is so wide uh, and the history so long. Uh, we have now sort of taken it for granted. So we wanted to introduce how it all happened. But as we moved into the actual preparation of the exhibition, we also came into the COVID days. And we found that there has just been so much waste of food internationally uh, for so many years. Food just gets taken, wasted, thrown away. And suddenly, we are now looking at a food crisis. The exhibition will be on at the Museum 207 in Taipei until April 5th. The museum hopes the exhibition will not only present Taiwanese pickling traditions to visitors, but also inspire them to cherish what we eat and not let any food go to waste.